We're all wondering how life is going to change with the COVID-19 epidemic. How did an 1879 measles epidemic in Lowell, Massachusetts, change life forever for every person on Earth? What automobile holds the record for racking up the most mileage on the old speedometer? Answers to those and other questions in this edition of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. I'm the good one. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Well, Marcia, it's been 10 weeks we've been cooped up together. Indeed it has. Oh, you sound so fresh and excited. <laughs> Are you you're looking forward to going out more? Is that lots, what it is? <laughs> lots of sugar, Bob. Lots of sugar. <laughs> what should we call this 10th week of trivia, Marcia? Mask off trivia. Mm. Unmasked trivia. <gasps> Unmasked trivia. That's right. what we'll call it. Okay. Unmasked trivia. Or is it Trivia Unmasked? <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> uh, I think the latter. Trivia Unmasked. <laughs> We've got our masks off. Oh, I thought that was... Is that your face? <laughs> <laughs> this is how I look, Marsh. How long oh, has it been? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. We're all wondering how life is going to change with the COVID-19 epidemic. And some things might change forever. Things did change forever for every person on Earth, even us living here today, because of a measles epidemic in Lowell, Massachusetts, in 1879. Now, what about that measles epidemic changed life for everyone forever after? Well, uh, well I mean, the only thing I can think of is... This is the uh, biggest question in the world, Marcia. <laughs> and, and I'm failing. I, I would uh, The obvious question was, it prompted the vaccine. No. No. The measles vaccine. Yeah. No, this was a small epidemic. It was in Lowell, Massachusetts, but it prompted something to happen, a change. Okay, tell me, Bob. That measles epidemic led to the invention of telephone numbers. Now, how in the world would a measles epidemic lead to the invention of telephone numbers? Well, how? Uh, Dr. Moses Greeley Parker was a physician in Lowell, and he was an investor in the local telephone company. Uh-huh. And he feared that Lowell's four telephone operators might all succumb to measles. Oh, and bring about a basically paralyze the telephone service because the phones were assigned by their names. So the operators needed to know, well, here, where's Mrs. Smith's phone? And where's Mrs. Johnson's phone? And where's Mr. Jones's phone? And, and they would use those cables or patch cords to connect the calls. Well, 200 people, it'd be easy for somebody who was a new operator to not find those names as quickly. So he thought, you know, there's 200 subscribers. Let's just give everybody a number. Okay, one to uh, 200. So they assigned a number to everyone, and that was the beginning of telephone numbers. It was because of an epidemic. Well, that's actually fascinating. Well, I'm glad you thought so. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, so you can thank Moses Greeley and a measles epidemic for your telephone number. Thank you. Thank you, Moses. And I thank our daughter, Chelsea Smith, because she gave me a book that had that story in it, a book called Now I Know the Soviets Invaded Wisconsin and 99 More Interesting Facts by Dan Lewis. Okay, Bob, here's totally related to nothing you just talked about. <laughs> Name one of the automobiles that exists today mm -hmm. that you think might hold the record, the world's record for racking up the most mileage. The world's record the most mileage. All right, so would this be a vehicle that's used for all kinds of purposes? Ford, Ford trucks. Well, that's on the top 10 of below this, but this is the one okay. with the most 
1966 Volvo. Really? Yes. And uh, you want to guess ballpark figure how many miles was on it? On one car? Yeah. I see. So it's an individual car. Yeah, one person has this car. I have no idea. Check this out. It's over 3 million miles. On this one car? (laughs) That is hard to believe. Isn't it? 3 million miles and counting. So that was as of uh, 2019. But 20 cars have gone over a million miles. Okay, 20 individual cars have gone over a million miles. Okay, what are they? This isn't all of them. The 2007 Toyota Tundra. So somebody owns a 2007 Toyota Tundra that's got over a million miles That's on correct. It. Wow. The 2006 Honda Civic, the 1996 Dodge Ram, 1991 and 94 Honda Accord. We had one of those. Mm-hmm. The 2006 Ford F-250 truck. I'm not surprised that pickup trucks get a lot of use. The 1991 and 2006 Chevrolet Silverado. Wow. 1983 town car. But the one that amused me the most is the 1963 Volkswagen Beetle. Now that makes sense. (laughs) Those things lasted forever. (laughs) Did they? Yes. Okay, speaking of old. (laughs) Careful there, Bob. This is a, how old is it? Okay, that's what this is. Okay. Now in 1963, the Beatles burst onto the world scene and they hailed from an old English seaport of... Liverpool. Liverpool, yes. How old is that city? When was it founded? Well, gosh, I was just talking to my mother about that this morning. <laughs> Your mother's been dead for 30 well, years. Well, there you go. Oh, okay. Well, doesn't mean we still don't talk. Okay. <laughs> uh, how old is Liverpool? I'll say 1,200. Well, guess what? It's been around since 1199. So you only missed it by one year. Uh-huh. Liverpool is over 800 years old. I just thought that was fascinating. Huh. Okay, you've heard of the dangers of printing money, you know, creating certificates uh, beyond the worth of the national treasury, okay? Where does that money problem, how far back does that go? Well, in the world or America? Yeah, in the world. Oh, I'll bet it goes back to Roman times. They made too many coins and too many Roman coins? Well, the Romans were around. It goes back to the 9th century, apparently, because in 845, Ah. paper money in China led to inflation and state bankruptcy. No kidding. (laughs) And they invented paper money. Well, really? Yeah, yeah. We'll see there. So there's like somebody there decided, well, you know, there's only $8 million in the treasury. We'll we'll print $50 million worth of it. didn't work out, did it? Didn't work out, even in 845, and we still make the mistake. (laughs) Okay, wordsmith. Mm Mm-hmm. There are only two words in the entire English language that contain the vowels A-E-I-O-U in order. What? Yes. Can you name one of the two? There's a word that contains A-E-I-O-U in, in that order. order? Yeah. There's two of them. Two words. <sighs> two different two. words. Well, there's Paiu and there's Mayu. <laughs> no, I have no idea. No. I, the, obviously, these aren't words that are used very often. Well, one of them is. Really? Yeah. First one is abstemious. Well, spell it. A-S-T-E-M-I-O-U-S, which means absent, I assume. Abstemious. Oh, abstemious, like absent. Yeah. Abstemious. Okay, yeah. never heard of but that But here's one. one that we do use more often, facetious. Oh, really? Yeah. I never thought of that. F-A-C-E, face, T-I-O-U-S. Facious. Yeah. That's just a little <laughs> feather in your cap, buddy. Okay. That's like that movie we were watching the other night, uh... Oh, as good as it gets. As good as it gets. And she's saying, how do you spell conscious? Oh, yeah. And her mother spells it out. And she goes, 
con science. This doesn't look right. That doesn't look right. Yeah, we all been there. Uh, those kinds of things are how I remember how to spell things. Yeah. To this day, I, I yeah. think of recipe. That's the way you spell recipe, yeah. R-E-C-I-P-E. Okay, uh, another old question, Marsh. What is the oldest national flag in the world? What country claims it, and how old is it? The oldest flag. I'll say Greece. Greece. Is it? Oh, the flag of the... Well, the flag of the country of Greece. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's Denmark's flag. Really? Yeah, Denmark's flag, like a number of flags in Europe, has a cross in it. Yeah. It's like a white cross on a red background. Yeah. Well, that dates to 1219. I thought it looked odd. There was a picture of it. I said, well, that's a weird-looking flag. Yeah. Well, the, the story on it is even weirder. In that year, Denmark's flag is supposed to have fallen from the sky. <laughs> of course. During a battle in Estonia. Now, the Danes were about to lose the battle, and the flag appearing was seen as a sign from heaven which inspired the Danes to win. That's the legend, anyway. Uh, in reality, that flag of 1219 was most likely a crusade banner because uh, the war in 1219 was a crusade against the Estonians who were not Christians, and that white cross on red emblem originated in the age of the Crusades. So that's how far back that kind of a flag symbol goes. So now, even though that's the legend, 1219, and nobody can prove it goes back that far, that is the day, June 15th. Every year on that day, the Danes celebrate their flag's birthday. And even if that legend isn't true, they know that the flag is truly old because it appears in uh, paintings in the 1370s. Yeah, it looks like a crest. Yes, the oldest flag in the world. Okay. All right. According to scientific studies, Bob, Mm -hmm. in an eight-hour period of sleep, how much time will the average person spend dreaming? That you, out of eight hours, how much time do you actually spend dreaming? I thought it was only like two hours. Yeah, well, less than that. An hour and 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. So you only dream an hour and 20 minutes? And it's probably in your REM sleep, which is towards the end, I think. Deepest sleep. Because when you wake up sometimes, you're going, oh my God. That was a strange dream. It's not Christmas. It's Tuesday. It's not Christmas. (laughs) It's Tuesday. (laughs) And I got to feed the dog. It's not Christmas, but it's time to take a break and we'll be back right after this. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marcia Smith. Well, we're back. (laughs) (laughs) We're back on The Off-Ramp, and this is the Memorial Day weekend as we record this. I have a question for you about that. Why did the poppy become a symbol of Memorial Day? The flower or that little red poppy thing that we get from veterans when we give money? Well, they're one and the same, actually. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was that perhaps a traditional flower brought to funerals back in the day for no, veterans? No, it wasn't, actually. Uh, you know, it's, it came from World War One. Oh, it, World War One. I wasn't sure. The idea came from the opening lines of a World War One poem in Flanders Fields. Oh, that I've heard of that. Uh, that was a uh, Canadian Army surgeon wrote that, Lieutenant Colonel John McRae. He was a published poet also. And he wrote it after he witnessed the death of a friend during a battle in Flanders, which is the Dutch-speaking part of Belgium. And at his friend's funeral, he noticed how quickly poppies were growing up around freshly dug soldiers' graves. Oh, really? Oh. And the next day, sitting in the back of an ambulance, he wrote, In Flanders' fields, the poppies blow between the crosses, row on row. And the poem went on to describe war from the perspective of the dead, and it became extremely popular. It was published during the war. World War One. Yeah, and it was used in bond rallies and even put to music by Charles Ives and John Philip Sousa. So 
It was a tool to help raise money for veterans? Well, it was raised money for the war effort at the time. But later, after the war, his poppy poem inspired veterans aid groups uh, worldwide to start selling poppies to remember the war, remember war victims. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah, the proceeds went to the disabled veterans and their families and war widows and their children. And it was done all over the world. Yeah. Now, why did the poppies grow so fast on the battlefield? That's the interesting question many people never ask. Oh, well, it's the uh, nutrients and the fertilizer in the soil from all the dead bodies. It's the nutrients and fertilizer in the soil, but not from the dead bodies. It's interesting. Um, this is my Wikipedia rat hole. But, uh, <laughs> you went down that. Oh, That's yeah. why I didn't see you for two days. It turns out that shelling and explosions spiked the lime content of the soil. And poppies were one of the few things that could grow in that contaminated topsoil. So they started popping up around the graves. Well, I'll be damned. And this is a phenomenon that had been seen on battlefields since the time of Napoleon. So poppies are true survivors of of war. Wow. Unfortunately, John McRae did not survive. He died in 1918 of acute meningitis after coming down with pneumonia. But poppies continue to be sold to this day. And that all began with a simple poem 100 years ago. Well, that's, that's enlightening. Thank yeah. you, Bob. Okay. Dr. Edward Taylor, who died in 1975, was a noted gynecology researcher. I'm sure you knew that, Bob. This is your favorite oh, subject. Dear. <laughs> dear God. He was a world authority on sterility and fertility and a contributor to the development of the birth control pill. Okay. So why am I telling you all I this? have no idea. Uh, he also did something else. You want to take a guess what that was, besides being a renowned gynecologist? Gynecologist. Okay, did he, uh, he was a musician? I'm just throwing this out. Yeah, you're in the right uh, field. Oh, really? He was in the arts then? Yeah. Really? Edward Tyler. Edward I did, Tyler. I know you'd like this answer. That's why I took this. Okay, I don't know. What's okay. the answer? He was also a professional comedy writer for six years, writing for Groucho Marx. <laughs> <laughs> and you bet your life. Oh, somehow that does make sense. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't I, that hilarious? I knew you'd like that. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Hey, the world's kind of blown by a 250th birthday during this coronavirus. Whose birthday did we miss? You and me, personally? Somebody in the arts. Got me, Bob. Beethoven. Oh, huh? 250 years ago. You know how to spell Beethoven? Yes. B-E-E-T-H-O-V-E-N. You're looking at it. Well, no, I I know that. Oh, okay. Because that's, again, one of those I thought, beat. He had beats in his music, so it's beat Hoven. Yeah, Yeah, Hoven. Okay, you know, it's funny because everybody's, oh, what a genius and blah, blah, blah. Well, during his time, he basically was a student of Haydn. They both knew how to shock with their music. They intentionally put great changes and ferocity and and quiet silence and all of that. Crescendos. Yeah, crescendos, decrescendos. One of his contemporary critics called his second symphony a crass monster, a hideously writhing wounded dragon <laughs> that refuses to expire. It's <laughs> like how you talk to me when you're mad. <laughs> a hideously writhing wounded dragon that refuses to expire. Wow, that's, that's language. Holy camoly. Uh, well, it's nice to know that even people who were thought of as geniuses years later had critics in their time. That's what I like about that. And speaking of Adolf Hitler. What? <laughs> Wait a minute, no. Tell me this, Bob. Uh-huh. What did he give up eating in his early 20s? He became a vegetarian, didn't he? Yes, he did. That's very good. He experienced frequent stomach problems during his early 20s, and so he would only eat 
pastries, spaghetti, eggs, vegetables. Wait a minute, pastries. They're not. They're <laughs> that's that's a that's. That's put a an asparagus on it top, and what do you got? But he was and, most mostly vegetarian or vegan. Oh or, yeah, he had a thing for uh, pickled pig's feet, but other than that, he was strictly vegetarian. Which brings to my mind, I mean, uh, if he hadn't killed himself, we could have put him in prison and gave him cheeseburgers. All the time. <laughs> Think of all the stomach problems he would have <laughs> oh, suffered. God, just the thought. Okay, well there. I've got a kind of a fun story about a celebrity that revolves around dinner. One of your favorites in the music world, Frank Sinatra. Sure. We both know that from what we read, he could be very irascible. He got in fights with people. He could be mean and ugly and terrible. Mm -hmm. But a few years back, Weekend Magazine, USA Weekend, asked for readers for reflections on the life and work of Frank Sinatra. A guy named Bill Fries wrote, He was eating dinner at the Palm Restaurant in Los Angeles in 1991. While I was using the restroom, the door swung open and Frank Sinatra walked in. I said, Mr. Sinatra, my parents are big fans and saw you in Las Vegas. He said, I appreciate that. Where are they from? He says, well, my mother lives in Indiana. My father died a couple years ago of lung cancer. He said, did he smoke? I said, yes. He said, damn smokes. That's what got Sammy. Well, give your mother my condolences. <laughs> and they walked out, okay? Uh -huh. He said, I went back to my table and I said, hey, I met Frank Sinatra in the restroom. And they all laughed and said, yeah, sure. Then Frank walked from the rear of the restaurant, looked right at me and said, Bill, it was a pleasure meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> As we got ready to go, I asked for the bill and our waiter said, Mr. Sinatra took care of it. Oh, that's cool. And we all floated out of the palm. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Yeah, see, that's that's a good story. That's and a, a good story. another Sinatra story, Jeannie Goodman Siegelman, who was a young woman in the 1940s, she said Sinatra appeared at the Capitol Theater in New York. And a friend persuaded me to skip school to see him. She was a fan. I wasn't. He appeared on stage and he explained he had a cold and couldn't sing. Oh. Instead, he chatted with the audience. I don't remember what he said. I only remember it was the most entertaining hour ever. Really? An hour. Frank Sinatra had a cold and I became a fan forever. I'll be darned. That's, well, that's cute. I thought those would offset, offset your Hitler story there. <laughs> Hitler, Sinatra, we're covering the waterfront here, oh, Bob. The, did you say he took questions from the audience? Yeah, he just did a an hour yeah, like of Carol questions. Burnett at the end of her show. Only he couldn't sing that day, so he's up there because, talking to yeah. everybody for an hour. Nice. Oh, he did a lot of nice things, yeah. and, and he was a jerk too. But <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that the way with all? That's of us? the way of the world, Marsh. All right, you always like. Uh, where do you think that phrase came from? Okay, I love these things. Yeah, I know you do. The origins of phrase. So, okay. Now, here's one we're using more now than ever, and that's draw a blank. We walk into a room and we draw a blank while we're there. Okay. <laughs> but where do you think that phrase comes from? Now, that is a good question. I drew a blank. How can you draw a blank? Well, think. What is a blank? You could draw a blank like uh, firing a gun and it, and it, uh, it right. didn't go off. Right. That's a good thing. Uh, I mean, if you're on the other end of the... It is a good thing. If, unless the other gun has a bullet that's heading your way, yeah, then, then it's not, not good. Not so good. Is that where it came from? No, not at all. So is it like drawing a blank on a sheet of paper or something like that? That phrase goes back to 1567. Holy cow. It originated in Tudor, England. Okay. And Queen Elizabeth I, she set up the first national lottery. Oh, really? <laughs> what? 1567, though. What did they call it? Liz's Lotto? Probably <laughs> probably to pay for wars and things like that. Yeah, you know, Liz's it could be. Lotto. I First don't know. national lottery was, was yeah. Elizabeth I. Yeah. And what was it? 1567. Okay. She would have two pots of paper, one with the names of 
people in the kingdom. Okay. okay. <laughs> and the other one would have prizes or blank pieces of paper. Hmm. So she drew them at the same time. Okay. From both pots. And uh, one had the, the name of the person, and the other one was either a prize or a blank. What was that? What did the and blank mean? You're a loser. You won nothing. <laughs> so, so you didn't want to draw a blank. Oh, that's interesting. And that's where they came from. Yes, it is. So if you drew one in your name and then there was a diamond ring on the other one, you get the diamond ring. Yeah. Wow. But you drew a blank? Well... I'd love to know what the prizes were back in I would too. Day Probably there. a bowl of gruel or something like that. I, yeah, I can't imagine. Well, here's another thing that goes way back, farther than you'd think. What's the oldest depiction of somebody skiing on skis? How far back? What's the oldest picture of somebody skiing we've ever seen? Well, I'll bet it goes back to Iceland or Finland or Denmark, one of those goes, Nordic yeah, countries. Somebody yeah. going down a but hill. How, how far back? I'm thinking here, oh, okay. thinking out loud. Oh, okay, how long do we giving have to wait? you my thought process? <laughs> oh God! Probably somebody said, "Give me the yes. rip up, tear up that barrel, and let's put it on my feet and go down this hill." I think you've just drawn a blank, Marsh. I think that's the problem here. <laughs> I'll tell you the answer. Okay. The oldest picture representing skiing was a carving on a rock found at Radoy in southern Norway, and archaeologists have dated it between 2000 and 2500 BC. So skiing, skiing, before Christ. Yeah, skiing has been around a long, long time. Well, what did the skis look like? Well, they said Spalding on the end of it. <laughs> I don't know. Spalding. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of a name of a of a ski head, company. I, I think is what yeah, I don't head, know. Yeah. I don't do no, that. it didn't. Uh, it didn't say what it looked like, but probably a stick figure with skis. And they said, "Look at that! Isn't Somebody that skiing, and it's prehistoric." It's probably an outer space Martian dead back in the day. What unusual item did the English novelist Mary Shelley keep in her desk? What unusual item did Mary Shelley keep in her desk? Pickles, pig's foot. If only it were pickles or pig's feet. It was the heart of her dead husband. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, Marcia, everyone grieves differently, you know. But when her husband, who was Percy Shelley, you know, he was the great poet, he drowned at the age of 29. She didn't bury all of his remains oh my God. in the uh, Protestant yeah. cemetery in Rome. No one knew this until after she died, but Mary kept her husband's oh. heart wrapped up. She carried it with her almost everywhere she oh. went. Oh. And when she passed away, the heart was found in her desk, wrapped in one of his final poems. Oh, what's wrong with a pair of cufflinks or something? Jeez Louise. Okay, thanks for that, Bob. That okay, was... here's another one that's fun. <laughs> Equally, might as well get the gross stuff out of the way. What did Peter the Great make his wife keep in her bedroom? He was the uh, he was the Tsar of Russia. Yeah. He was pretty ruthless. Yeah, he made her. He keep... made his wife keep something in her bedroom. I, I'm. I don't want to even say out loud. Well, Go I'll ahead. tell you. In a jar, <laughs> he discovered his uh, wife, Catherine, was unfaithful. Okay? Oh, dear. With a man named William Mons. <gasps> well, he Pete, removed his part and kept no, it. No, he removed his head and he oh! put his head in a jar. Oh, for God's sake. And he required Catherine to keep that jar in her bedroom until Peter's death so that she would never forget her affair. And what did she do when he was caught sneaking around? I don't know. Yeah, see, just, that's absurd. <laughs> His head. Okay, fun times. That was good.
We got some good stuff there. Did Bob. you know urine was used as a mouthwash by the... No, was it really? <laughs> yes. By who? <laughs> by the ancient Romans. Oh, my God. Well, it had ammonia in it, see? And so it was ah, used. Ah, I'm sorry. It was ah. used for many purposes, but it was used for dental hygiene. Ah. They used it to whiten their teeth. God, minty fresh they ain't, huh? Just for the record, it's also a proven stain remover, but... <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. That's the end of the show, Bob. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who's going to listen from now on? I don't know. Okay, okay. Give me a chance to redeem myself. Now, this is a good question. Nothing to offend anyone here. All right? This is a fruit now. What fruit was once so expensive only the rich could buy it and regular people would rent them, not to eat them, but to carry them around to impress their friends? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. There is a fruit that was so expensive, only rich people could buy it, and regular people would rent them and carry them around like, hey, look, I got one. You an know? apple or an orange? What uh, would it I'll be? I'll say an orange. It's more exotic than that. Kiwi? Think of something that would have been hard to get back pineapple? in the day. Okay, a pineapple? That's exactly right. Boy, those are big. How do you just carry that in your pocket? Well, here's the story. You know, they're <laughs> is native. Is that a pineapple in your pocket, or are you happy to see me? <laughs> there you go. You must be very happy to see me. <laughs> They're natives of South America, and they made their way to the Caribbean island of Guadalupe, and that's where Christopher Columbus first spotted them in 1493. And then he and his crew took them back to Spain, and everybody loved how sweet this exotic fruit tasted. And they tried to grow them there, but they're tropical, so they couldn't get very far with them. So the only pineapples they could get their hands on had to be imported across the Atlantic Ocean. So therefore, what? That would make very sense. Expensive. They were very expensive, and right? hard to get. Now, in England, in the 17th century, they set up hothouses and started to grow them there yeah. in the 1600s. But only extremely wealthy people could afford pineapples. Monarchs like Louis XV, Catherine the Great, and Charles I Charles I even commissioned a painting of his gardener, presenting him with a pineapple to show <laughs> how rich he was. How much did you think they cost at one point? An individual pineapple. I have no idea. They might cost you as much as $8,000 each. Back in that time? That yeah, was back in the 1700s. Yeah, American, very expensive. One pineapple could cost as much as $8,000 in today's money. $8,000. Oh, in today's money. But uh, affluent colonists would throw dinner parties and display a pineapple as the centerpiece, a symbol of their wealth. And you see the pineapple carved into all kinds well, of yeah, things. Well, yeah, but that means welcome. Well, yes, but that was because of this whole exotic craze. So before selling them for consumption, pineapple merchants would rent pineapples to people who couldn't afford to purchase them. And those people <laughs> would take them to parties, not to give to the gift as a host, but to carry around and show their apparent ability to afford an expensive pineapple. <laughs> I'll try to remember that next uh, soiree we have. <laughs> Just to give you a, a pineapple to carry around. That is very funny. Who's the person who you could say brought down the cost of the pineapple so that everyday people could have them? I'll say Dole. Yes, James Dole, who started the pineapple plantation. In Hawaii. Yeah, and kept the prices down so everybody could enjoy them. Good for him. <laughs> but that's how and why pineapples one time cost $8,000 a piece. That is a good story. Yeah, that's a story by Suzanne Raga called The Super Luke's History of Pineapples and Why They Used to Cost $8,000. You can find that on the uh, website Mental Floss. So that's where the pineapple as a, uh, a welcoming symbol came about was because this some wealthy people would have it out there. Hey, welcome to look. Oh, look here. We have a pool. <laughs> we have a pool and a pineapple. Here comes Bob Smith. <gasps> 
He's got a pineapple. pineapple. (laughs) He must have made it. He got paid for one of his voice jobs. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that's it for this time. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Thanks for joining us for Trivia Unmasked here on The Off-Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.